Blog Talk Radio. What's up, everybody? It's Wednesday or whatever day you're listening to this. It's it's Wide Men Can't Jump. It's Nate. I'm here at the control board here at the helm. NBA playoffs are upon us, and we are ready to talk about it. With me, as always, my esteemed co-host, the one and only, the guru if you will, of Philadelphia. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tom Robinson, T.R. Shock. T.R., what's up, buddy? Yowza, yowza, yowza. As someone we both know says, it's time, it's time, it's playoff time, time, time. It is playoff time, indeed. And the Rocky Mountain Monster would be correct. Unfortunately, his nuggets are sitting at the house thanks to my wolves, but that's another story entirely. Hey, before we dive in to the playoffs, we want to take a second here and thank the absolute best sponsors in the game today, including our brand new sponsor. We made it official on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, but let's give him a plug right now here. Uh, the law offices of Stephen P. New. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are now being backed by legal representation, so I dare you to sue us. <laughs> Stephen P. New is a licensed attorney in the offices located in Beckley, West Virginia, but he can be anywhere, anytime you need. Fantastic attorney with a great record. Mr. New's also a diehard basketball fan, and we welcome him to the Wide Men Can't Jump family. He is our legal advice, and he's a big-time Lakers fan, son of Marshall University, also a big basketball fan in general, WVU, whether it be NBA, Steve New is your guy. You can contact the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com or at 1-888-692-8084 for your free consultation. Steve New Law Offices, one of the best in the game today. And thank you, Steve New, for being our sponsor. He's going to jump on here with us in a few weeks once things get a little heated up in the playoffs and he can take a break from his busy schedule. Again, thank you to Stephen P. New, our newest sponsor here on Wide Men Can Jump. Thank you, Stephen P. And uh, somebody did bring up on Twitter, hey, does Austin Idol or anyone else that has a podcast that's sponsored by Stephen P. New own you guys have they bought you guys out no we are wide men can't jump then now and forever Stephen p new is a friend of mine he's a great great person and we thank him again for being on board so thank you steve we love you yes sir now, now tr since we got a little bit of that out of the way we'll be getting to more of our spawn our great sponsors here later on in the show but let's go ahead and dive in here to the NBA playoffs last week, my Wolves pulled off the victory over the Nuggets as I was sweating here at the house and even called you and the uh, the Canuck up in Canada. Hi, Tim. I know you're listening. Um, 
but we were we were on the phone and I was having a heart attack because it came down to an overtime game for the Wolves. But your Sixers kind of ran away and had a 17 game win streak and then won that first game by a large margin in their series. But then things changed later on in that series with the Sixers and the Heat. So what's going on up there in Philly? Well, you kind of omitted your whole story. First of all, uh, we we can't verify that the sweating and the uh, heart palpitations were directly uh, connected to the Minnesota Timberwolves game. It could have been just a large man malady. Um, <laughs> True. <laughs> secondly, um, you know, that, congrats to the T-Wolves. It, it gives us more... Uh, discussion for one and uh, you know it's good for the city of minnesota and fans alike and the team etc to after such a long drought and i know the feeling with you know the eagles and so forth with with drought yeah how satisfying it is just to take a step in the right direction so congrats to minnesota um however philadelphia came out um the the building was on fire for game one. I expected uh, coming off the street, Joel Embiid with the uh, flying headbutt from the missing link, uh, Markel Fultz with his broken <laughs> face. <laughs> you know, his, his career total now, Joel, is 94 games played. So uh, had he not played last season, uh, he may have been eligible for a rookie of the year argument, but, Anyway, uh, only uh, 24-year-old rookie. Only uh, that's that's really hard to swallow. Um, 94 games total he's played in the NBA after all these years. Uh, but he is listed as doubtful. But I'm jumping ahead for uh, game three as of we as of the time we speak. Um, but to be positive, coming in on, on a 16-game regular season win streak, the building was electric. Uh, fans, being Philly fans, were overreacting like we're going to sweep them, get the brooms and stuff like that. Miami is – I got that weird thing in my throat. <clears throat> Don't make a funny comment. Hold on. Baby, <laughs> you stop me. There we go. Uh so Miami admittedly is uh, somewhat mediocre and probably our best draw. And we came out and made it look like it um, behind the stud Ben Simmons, the greatest, uh, arguably the greatest young player in the game, possible future of the NBA. Uh, if he learns to fucking shoot um, anyway. Uh, and then we had uh Ursan Ilyasova, a brilliant pickup. Marco Bellinelli, a brilliant pickup. And J.J. Redick, also a brilliant pickup by Juan Bryant Colangelo. And the very tough one tooth. He got his tooth knocked out like the night before, well, uh, night, the last game, put it that way. And a busted yeah. lip, but he, he's like a hockey player, Dario Sarge showed up to play and was, you know, draining threes. They just, everything worked. The three-pointers just 
dropped and dropped and dropped. And we ran away with it in the second half after a chippy close first half. Uh, if you want me to continue to the dreaded game two, a uh, lot of uh, chippy fouls, a lot of uh, the ticky tacks, as I call them. Yeah. Bam, uh, Oda Bayou, however you say his name, on the Bayou, whatever the fuck. Bam, his name is from <laughs> Bam, Bam and the Bayou. Yeah, him and uh, that goddamn goon, Kelly Olinick, and, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Kevin Love, double wrist lock, Kimura arm breaker. Watch for him to be dirty and chippy <laughs> the rest of the series. And, uh,. And Hassan Whiteside, you know, dis- decided to come and play for once. He, he didn't play very much as far as contributing in game one. And the ageless, timeless, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was, Dwayne Wade, basically looked as good as he's ever looked in his career. Came out eight for eight, I believe it was, from the field. And when the Sixers climbed all the way back to make it a two-point deficit, crowd going crazy, good old D-Wade picked Dario's pocket and then was fed for a breakaway layup, and it was all downhill from there. But, you know, uh, streaks were made to be broken. We are the better team. We are not experienced in this, uh, in this playoff thing. When you got Kevin Hart and you got Carson Wentz and you got – you know, a lot of celebrities in the building and fanfare. We are like the in-team right now. Philly is like talked about as, you know, it's it's a little bit out of hand. I'd rather the, it be like the Philadelphia you were the Eagles ugly, playoff run. You were the ugly Got girl it. at junior prom, but now you're the pretty girl at senior prom. Is that what you're saying? You blossomed. Yeah, we got some uh, Clearasil, some Accutane, Um Maybe a little push-up right bra, maybe a little help yeah. from puberty, yeah. And all of a sudden, Late bloomers took the glasses off, let the hair down, and all of a sudden we were pretty. But we showed that we're still that same young lady that we were prior. Uh, we still have our flaws. We still turn the ball over. But I'm not worried. I'm just glad that uh, some of my fellow Philadelphians shut the hell up with that trust the process. You realize that, that, that there's another podcast that covers the Sixers, and, and I know the host, like, to say hi to. Uh, we don't need to mention names or plug anything else, but they are like zombies with this trust the process uh, garbage. And Adam Silver was at game two? Game two, I believe. Yeah, it might yeah, have been a both. Yeah, but he was, I know he was at game two. Yeah, it was definitely a game two, and 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 some some goof is being lauded by his uh, cronies for approaching Adam Silver. Uh, great security, by the way. Um, and you know, had a hanky died for our sins shirt, and uh, you know, just gave him an earful of uh, why did you step in and look at us now, and you couldn't stop the process and. I don't know what his rhetoric was, but it, it makes it like, you know, come on, I'm trying to, to deal with you guys and root this team on, but there's a part of me that doesn't want the 
those fans to be happy. I mean, it's uh, it's conflicted, but I'm 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 mature and I'm the better man. So game three, with or without Embiid, should be very close. But we are going to come out on top because we are the better team, and we should go up two to one. And that's my well, take the, for now on the Philadelphia 76ers. Well, the thing with Dwayne Wade, he went 11 of 16, had 28 points. L- ladies and gentlemen, hold on. Before we go in a little further here, background Josh Brown has made an appearance. Hello! Background Josh Brown is in the Hello. house. Ask him about, about basketball. Ask him about, ask him how he feels about the Mavericks going to China with the Sixers. I want to hear a rant. Say it again. The Mavericks are going to China to play the Sixers next preseason. I want to hear the rant about that. So what's your feelings on the Mavericks going to China to play the 76ers next season in the preseason? Well, I have a feeling I know how that game's going to go. We're going to get destroyed. (laughs) Uh, We're not going to do anything in the draft this year. I've got that feeling. We may get one good piece. Um, But other than that, we're going to probably get destroyed. He should trust the prophet. <laughs> and that is our weekly background Josh Brown segment. Our Mavericks fan who can't get in front of the microphone. <laughs> it's, it's a work in progress, folks. A cast of characters here at the Wide Men family. He's actually the skinniest of all of us here at the Wide Men family. He's a, he's slim and trim, I tell you. But uh, yeah, he's anyway, a good we can't have him. Can't have him on regularly. He's too handsome. Too handsome. Hung like a horse, ladies and gentlemen. It's ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, um, to talk about, we're going to save talking about the Miami Heat. We have a guest coming on later who's going to discuss the Heat with us. Uh, However, I do want to talk a little bit about the Sixers. Um, There was a list of all the players drafted under the Hinky administration uh, floating around on twitter there i sent it to you and i don't know if you saw it it was uh you had to zoom in mightily you needed a microscope to read all the names of the guys that were drafted under sam hinky and again there's four of them left on the team yeah traded for draft but what the hell do we know right what do we know and everybody's like oh but simmons he was drafted no simmons was drafted by colangelo because honestly tr said it Brandon Ingram was the guy that he was after. He didn't want Joel Embiid. He wanted Andrew Wiggins. He tried to trade everything he could to get Andrew Wiggins. It's just been, we get so fed up, folks, here as a, as a, a podcast, too. And we're on the top, we're in the top of the podcasting list of, of podcasts that, that cover the Sixers because we predominantly cover the Sixers, the Wolves, teams like that. But we cover the whole league. But the Sixers is a team we focus on. We're in the top. We're in the top one of the top podcasts in the world that cover the Sixers. You know, look it up. And we've dived in enough with enough people to know how this works. I mean, and people just they yell at us. They tell us we're stupid. We only get five listeners. Only two people listen to us, and they don't like us. You know, stuff like that. But whatever, we know better. But anyway. The guys that they've added, those pieces they added there to trade deadline, getting a, a three-point threat like Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ilyasova, a guy who who does the little things that you don't that don't get noticed in the stat sheets that you know you don't notice that he's in there boxing out guys like Bam and Bio and 
guys like Kelly Olenek, and he's keeping them at bay, and he's setting good screens, and he's getting those little tip-ins that people aren't seeing, and things of that nature. Those he's things also, are so important. Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt a, a rant that I'm loving, but he's also at the top of the league in taking charges, which is also a little thing you won't see in the points, rebounds, and assists. But go ahead. No, you won't. You won't see that. And he's a fantastic player. He has been his whole career. He's been kind of a journeyman. He's been one of those guys who's just good enough to go somewhere and fit in to the system, but not good enough to keep around and pay that big contract to. He's on a cheap end of a contract right now, which is why Philly has him. Now, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I don't care how far the Sixers go, even if they win the title. If they don't re-sign Ilyasova, and Bellinelli next season, their production will fall off. And that's the truth. Because those two guys have been the spark. They came in, they fit the system perfectly. Bellinelli steps in, gives Reddick that breather that he needs. Ilyasova is a guy who can step in the front who can step into the front court and step up his game. He's a stretch four. He can hit jump shots Ben Simmons can't hit. He can hit jump shots Joel Embiid can't hit. This is a guy that you're gonna that you're gonna need. If you don't re-sign him, you better go out and find a younger, faster version of him, because you're gonna need a guy like that. He's a veteran presence. Amir Johnson has looked pretty good playing for the Sixers, and he doesn't get a lot of praise either. He's not filling up the stat sheets, but he's doing what he's supposed to do. That's things I notice watching the Sixers. Ben Simmons, a uh, horrible free throw shooter, like 56% free throw shooter. But he is good facilitating. Now, his jump shot is questionable. Needs to get better at that. Um, one thing I did notice is Markel Fultz only played maybe five five minutes in game two. They were five minutes really, too many, in my opinion. But go ahead. Um, okay, so he only played five minutes. And um, I don't know if it was maybe a, a legs thing or maybe he just wasn't feeling it that night because Brett Brown did not put him back in. Um, he stuck and TJ McConnell got quite a few minutes and I don't know if you noticed this. Um, I was watching that game and there was a loose ball and the heat were about to recover it. McConnell dove on the floor, skidded across the floor and got the ball away from him. Now he did fall out of bounds. However, that hustle play stopped the Heat from getting an easy rebound and allowed Philly to get back and set up their defense, which is something you can't teach. You can't teach heart and hustle. You can't teach go out there and get the job done. And that's what guys like T.J. McConnell do. And I, I love the way he plays. He's pedal to the metal. He may not have all the talent of these guys on the floor, but he's got more determination and heart than any of them because he wants to win. He, he, he's he's – uh, told a story on J.J. Reddick's podcast um, about Spencer Dinwiddie. How do you say his name? Dinwiddle? The, the Dinwiddle. Brooklyn net. Brooklyn. From Brooklyn, uh, yeah. He said he checked in, and he just has this, uh, like you said, the dive on the on the floor to get the ball mentality. And, and the casual fan won't pick it up, and the, the goofballs that until this season – when he got the triple-double, he started getting some fanfare. So they may be on board. And for the record, he was part of the Sam Hinkie regime. But if you know the backstory told by TJ, 
He was the last person that made the team, and Brett Brown pulled him in the office, and he was Brett's guy, not Hinky's guy. Brett said, my assistants wanted to get rid of you, but you made the team, buddy. Anyway, he was undrafted out of Arizona, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah. But this is not – I mean, we should be past this. We made the playoffs. Hopefully we're all on the same page. And going forward, all fans of Philadelphia. But um, Fultz was not effective in the first half. Um, he became effective due to the names you mentioned, the veterans who started lighting it up and making it impossible for defenses to cover everybody. And it opened up a lot for Ben Simmons because he had so many weapons to kick it to. And then they get a breather, and all of a sudden, Fultz, who admittedly does have incredible offensive talent to take, make his own shot, take it to the hoop, um, that stuff was mostly mental earlier in the year. Yeah. But in a playoff-type environment, he was just kind of out there. And Coach felt he needed a spark and went to uh, TJ for the second half. Didn't work, got close. I mean, his presence on the floor uh, still, I mean, uh, Dwayne Wade was just unstoppable. You could have put anybody in there at that point. And he was yeah, just hitting. Wade, Wade hits hit shots that, that he hadn't been hitting in years, and he really was what the Heat needed. And again, we're going to talk about that with our guests coming up. A uh, quick update right now, as if you're listening live, this is Wednesday April the 18th, uh, the Cavaliers are leading the Pacers 58-46 to 46 at halftime. LeBron James has 29 points in the first half. Um, we'll dive into that series for just a few minutes. Um, the Cavs lost game one, 98-80. LeBron James looked very disinterested. They had no answer for Victor Oladipo. Nobody seemed to, to be there for Cleveland. Their heads weren't in the game. They look disinterested. Uh, you see LeBron sitting on the, the bench at, uh, towards the end of the game. The fans leaving early. Cleveland getting booed off the court. Now, it's got a lot of people worried. I don't think you need to worry too much if you're a Cleveland fan. If you, get, if you go down 2-0, be worried. But if they can get this first game, I think they'll end up eventually winning the series. Um it's it's interesting. The Cavs, they, they've got to motivate themselves. Michael Jordan uh, used to do this back when the Bulls would win a title after title after title. Um, they would have people on the team, and they would have to motivate themselves because if you've won it before, you want to win it again, but you lose that hunger that you had coming out. And they said Jordan would just find anybody on the team that had never been in the finals or seen the NBA finals. Like at one point, I think their last year together, that core of the Bulls team, he would go, all right, we got to win this finals for like the fifth assistant coach, Washington or whatever. He's never been to an NBA final. So it was all for him. They wanted to win it for him. So the Cavs just seem not as motivated as they were before because they're not as good as they were a year ago. So I don't know what much more I can get into that. Victor Oladipo is the most, the best player on Indiana's team, most improved. Miles Turner is a great piece for them. Um, it's one of those things where I don't have a whole lot to say at this point, um, mainly because it's it's a series I haven't got to watch a lot of, truthfully. Um, but James is on fire tonight. Kevin Love's got 10 at half. Um, that's really about it. Corver's hit some threes. Uh, 
But uh, you know the Cavs. Well, I can add something. Really... Go ahead. Go ahead and add something. I can add something to that series. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Before the game, I just had this strange feeling that you would see the effort that you saw in game one from the Cavs. And one thing I know from being a Sixers fan is that Indiana plays hard. They came in here and beat us right before the streak, and they beat us. I mean, we were fully lo- fully loaded. Miles Turner was uh, giving Embiid fits and just uh, scoring on Embiid um, from that perspective. We shut Depot down, but they had – you know, other guys step up. Thaddeus Young, a one-time sixer that got shipped out of here for the rebuild that, you know, at age like 24 or something at the time was too old to be part of the rebuild. I mean, with who we got, I'm not complaining, but uh, I thought Thaddeus was a nice player here, and I always did. And I think he's a nice player um, now where he's ended up in Indiana. I think he had a stop in New Jersey. Well, forgive me, it's Brooklyn now. They'll always be the Jersey Nets to me until they become relevant. But um, anyhow, I, I had a feeling, so I posted on Twitter, they're going to be a pain in the ass for the Cavs. In round one, uh, that was an ABC game. I watched for Kevin Love because he is a key, in my opinion, to their success. And first, you know, LeBron looked for him, three-point line, wide open, squared up, perfect, you know, great look, as they say clank not an air ball by any uh, stretch of the imagination but not a kevin love in rhythm type of shot second you know i think they got the ball back in that same possession went back to love clank uh and then uh you know in succession there in the first quarter he clanked like a 10 footer and i said you know what i don't think this is their game and sure enough the new guys had a little uh Look for LeBron in them, and LeBron was, like you said, just kind of, hmm. he was there, but he wasn't. But, uh, you know, in the NBA, if history, uh, you know, is any indicative, I'm trying to use big words when I should just be Delco. If history just tells you what's going on, no. Um, <laughs> well, that yeah, but if really. it's, no, that's not, no. <laughs> That's a little Delco. There's a little difference, but he's that that other person from another show. Anyhow, um, to my point, uh, I wouldn't worry. And it's funny, our friend Tony Basilio. Um, shout out to Tony down in Knoxville, Tennessee, and thanks for bringing me on to your radio show uh, to talk about the NBA playoffs. Um, he he was texting me at the time, and. Um, you know, I talked about them being a pain in the ass and everything, and uh, he turned me on to this link of Cleveland talk radio after, and I thought Philly was bad. These callers were, and the host was, you know, orchestrating it <clears throat> like it's over. They are done. You know, it's rest in peace, Cleveland Cavaliers. There's seven games for a reason, and that's to, you know, advance the best team. Indiana is playing hard. They played hard all year. They played above their talent level, quite frankly. And in the long run, Cleveland will win the series. I I, I didn't have a worry about that, but I think it'll go six or seven. And uh, you're right. Cleveland is not the same team that they were last year. They're not as talented. But as long as you got number 23, is that his number? (laughs) 
That was Jordan's number. Yeah, he's number 23. <laughs> I, I should know that matter-of-factly while I'm talking like an expert. But hey, I'm saying, Wait a we're, minute. we're experts, remember? We're experts, remember? Yeah, yeah just ask us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, as long as you've got 23 on the floor. Um, <laughs> and you'd be like, what do you mean, what do you got, 23? Kyle Korver? Uh, no. Uh, LeBron James <laughs> is who I mean. And, and Kevin Love, a healthy squad. That, those new pieces, uh, LeBron kind of alluded to that as a – he always gives something out there. He, he works the media, man. He was just like, well, oh, he you know, with the new guys, we weren't we weren't totally prepared. So that could be a big headline. I think he does that to use psychology on his own players, you know, when they read it. Uh, yeah. As we've already went through on another show last week, I believe, Teron Liu is just kind of a graying – fastly aging man who's in the position to be he's LeBron's assistant coach put it that way at uh yeah basically LeBron works with the media he works everything and uh you know tonight before we went on the air I think he had 20 points already and they were up yeah they they, I'm sure Indiana's gonna be tough Indiana's gonna be tough but you know that'll just prepare them even more going forward and uh yeah, yeah, they'll be in the second round. Um, depends how things shake in, out. And um, Indiana is okay. like one. Indiana is like one really good piece away. I think, like you would have to get some sort of superstar. Like Old Depot's an all star. You know, they got Collison, they got Lance Stevenson, who who apparently Lance Stevenson can only be effective in the NBA in an Indiana Indiana jersey. That's a fact. Don't, I'm telling yeah. you, it's a fact. Um, they got Boron Bogdanovich. You know, Thaddeus Young's a decent piece. Miles Turner's good. Uh, Corey Joseph's nice off the bench. Guys like that, but they are like one superstar away from being the most aggravating team in the world. Because if they get one really big name player to complement the pieces that they have there. And a lot of young pieces. Uh, they got good veterans on the team like Al Jefferson, Trevor Booker. Stevenson's been around the league. Darren Collison's played a lot. Uh, Thad Young is a good mentor for guys. They may, if they can make a move in the offseason, they may make it to where they can re- be really good. But right now, our guest is on the line. Let's get him on here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined right now by the president at hashtag Heat Twitter contributor at Miami Heat Beat Podcast. This is Alf. What's up, Alf? What's going on? How's it going? How you doing? Doing good, sir. Thank you for jumping on with us here. I'm Nate. My co-host TR is here with me. We talk a little Miami Heat basketball. TR is a 76ers fan, so don't try and kill him. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on the Philly end, so this is a, this is a, uh, a a crazy interview at the series tied one to one. But but thanks for coming on. You're gonna have, you're gonna have to send me your Twitter at so I can make sure I get he Twitter all over your back. Right on, right on. <laughs> <laughs> Notice he didn't give up the Twitter at. But anyway, <laughs> oh don't worry, I, I'll um, find it. Believe me, he Twitter's resourceful. I get it. <laughs> but um, 
we're going to dive into this. We, we got to talk about the elephant in the room here. That was Dwayne Wade in game two against the Sixers for the Heat. Um, he literally looked like the Dwayne Wade of old. Uh, what do you think, Alf, was the big contributing factor to him showing up and playing the way that he played the other night? Well, and, and this is what I always take issue with when we, when we say Dwayne Wade of old, um, because that wasn't the Dwayne Wade of old. That's the Dwayne Wade of now. Uh, the Dwayne Wade takes a lot of jump shots and doesn't go anywhere near the rim, um, just uses old man crafty moves to get guys in the air, get to the free throw line, um, just kind of uses his veteran savvy more than uh, his old freakish athleticism. So uh, I do, so it's always so when I hear that I'm always like well it's not the old Dwayne Wade this is what Dwayne Wade is now and because Spolstra plays him 20 25 minutes a night um, and he's coming off the bench and a lot of times when he's getting rolling he's going up against other backups um, you you will get some of these 18 19 20 point performances out of him um, now what happened the other night yeah that was kind of crazy um, but he has a knack for this stepping up in these big games these you know these, you know these win or go home atmospheres. Um, if he if if the Heat went down 0-2, I mean everybody would be talking about the series is over. Now we have a series, so this is just Dwayne Wade. This is who he is now. Um, I mean he can lay a complete dud next game. And that's kind of this is who he is. But yeah, it's, he still has that in him. I uh, this is Tr. I you know he was incredibly impressive and he did that people kind of just forget this but he did that to us a game earlier in the season as well um while he played on miami not not with his uh i guess in cleveland they were all eating steak and lobster and having some fun before (laughs) you know they reshuffled the deck there but like you said, he was uh, he got the veteran savvy. He would take our players, you know, deke here, deke there, just use his experience against our inexperience. And, you know, uh, step back, swish, nothing but cotton. I mean, he came out, it was either seven for seven or eight for eight, one or the other. And it, he was literally keeping the heat in the game, if not, you know, ahead in the game and, and our, you know, we just couldn't stop them. And that's an experience thing as well. Um, yeah, but my, yeah, you, my you contention at the end of that game. Yeah. Sure. My contention. Yeah. With the, with the key play in the whole, whole game was when they finally got it to two, guess who showed up? Dwayne Wade picked exactly. Dario's pocket and then, you know, hit a layup and then the rest of it was momentum and you guys took it to your credit. But, I don't see that happening uh, in a seven-game series. Like you said, he might come out and give a complete dud, or he might come out and score 30 tomorrow. We don't know. But he doesn't have that in his legs anymore. It's just physically impossible to go through a whole series. So the Heat's going to have to have production from Drogic and Olenek, Whiteside, et cetera. And quite frankly, we needed a punch in the face. This city was too cocky and, and even the country was made us the darling team. And, you know, they went from, yeah. Oh my God, it's uh, the future Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And they're going to be great someday to all of a sudden they can possibly win the East. And I didn't drink the Kool-Aid, but I took a couple sips, but I used to, <laughs> you know, I'm a big Sixers fan, but I like to be a realist in that, you know, we weren't doing shit until Brian Colangelo, uh, got 
Ersan Ilyasova and Marco Bellinelli on the cheap to, quite frankly, just give guys like Saric and JJ a break and make more weapons for Ben to kick it to. And now yeah, and uh, we're about – go ahead. No, no, yeah. I, 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 that's one of the things I think Heat fans discounted when coming into the series. You know, we look, at, we look along the roster and we see Bellinelli and Ilyasova – and just like you guys get cocky, nothing is more cocky than a cocky Heat fan. All right? Sometimes you think we still had LeBron and Bosch. Um, we, get, we get ahead of ourselves a lot. So we, we looked at that roster and we said, no, we can beat those guys. And what happened, we got punched in the mouth that first game when um, I was calling them the Three Stooges, but, <laughs> I mean, they kicked our ass. I mean, between J.J. Yeah. Redick, uh, Bellinelli, and Ilyasova, we, we had no answers. So, yeah, at, at, on the, at the same token, I do – you guys see it more closely, right? The fan bases that are involved with the team see these things and see them more clearly. So, we had no idea the impact of those guys um, on your team. And now, now, believe me, we see it and we see it, uh, we see it really clearly. Yeah, well, another night – Go ahead, ahead I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, finish your point. I was, I, was, I was just going to jump in and say tomorrow night – uh, basically, the time we spend in Miami is going to be really interesting just to see uh, how resilient we are. Uh, Embiid was listed as doubtful last time I looked. And let's just see. I, I, you know, some, some refer to Miami as the easiest draw uh, for us. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I took a sip of the Kool-Aid, but I wouldn't quite drink at all. You should have uh, seen my Twitter and Facebook feeds uh, during during game one about uh, get the brooms out and all this other shit. And I was like, bump the brakes a little bit. You know, like we've got like one or two guys on our whole roster who's ever even seen a playoff game, playoff series. Yeah, you know, we're. I'm pleasantly surprised. We are damn good. I mean, when uh, Ben Simmons refuses to shoot a 10-footer, and I assume that Spolzer would play off him and dare him to shoot, quite frankly. And taking that driving double team on the center or taking that driving ability away, when he has four and five and six weapons, if you, you know, when, when they're hitting, everybody will hit. Robert Covington, who is either 0 for 37 or he'll hit seven threes in a <laughs> row. Like when they're hot, they're just like team in the history of the NBA. But when they're not, they're, 20 turnovers a game and so forth. So, you know, I'm not just saying this as a fan. I think we're going to beat you guys, uh, but I'm not one of those crazy Philly fans that Colin Coward always talked about, put it that way. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I thought I – on our podcast, on the Heat Beat podcast, I – before this year, we had a big playoff preview, two hours long. We were cocky. I was like, yeah, Spolster's just going to play off Simmons. He's got Justice, uh, Winslow, Josh Richardson – and James Johnson, three guys that can that can guard Simmons, uh, you know, pretty effectively. They're going to hang down uh, free throw line extended. They're not even going to go above the arc. But what you saw really quickly with Simmons is, yeah, give that guy space and see what happens. Um, yeah, he's not going to shoot it, but he's going to pick you apart um, because uh, he's as strong as LeBron with some of these passes. He can get it. He can get it all the way across the court uh, before you can even turn your head. So. What we were, what ended up happening is they were giving him all this, uh, you know, all this court vision, and he was picking them apart. So you saw what they did in game two. 
They were picking him up full court. Winslow was all over him. I think you guys probably hate Winslow more than you hate anybody in the history of Miami Heat basketball. Um, he, <laughs> right now, he yeah. was uh, <laughs> he was uh, he was pretty annoying. If I was if I was on the other side, um, but what I think is interesting, and I want to get your take, is um, we relied heavily on Dwayne and Dragic and JJ um, while we were up in Philly. But when you come home, we all know that role players play better at home. And we haven't seen an Ellington game. We haven't uh, – Justice has barely scored. Um, some of our role players have not really uh, – Tyler Johnson has done nothing. So – and you guys have had some role players that have gone crazy in Philly. Are you guys worried at all about coming down here and um, maybe having to rely way too heavily on Simmons and some of these guys getting a little tight, if you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I have the worry, and that's that's why I'm highly interested in Game Three, just to see the way they, the body language, uh, movements, etc. And as you mentioned, we were going through it earlier in our intro. Some of the unsung heroes, the role players. Uh, you know, we got a guy who never gets national talk, with T.J. McConnell, who's just a pain in the ass. I don't even think I finished the story about Dinwoody. Um, Ben Whittle, however the hell you say his name from the the net. <laughs> Our guy's T.J. T. McConnell, who uh, when Fultz was out, he was an undrafted out of Arizona. I'm sure you know that. And came during that regime that I personally hate, the Sam Hankey regime. Um, but that's a whole other hour and a whole other show. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm in favor of actually getting players and trying to win, but that's just me. Um, but he came out of the cracks of that. And he's all heart, and he dies on the floor for balls, et cetera, et cetera. He's a guy that can stop a 15-0 run from the other team just from being, like you said about Winslow, just an annoying pain in the ass. And uh, it seems like I'm overstating his value, but I'm really not to this particular team because he'll he'll dive on, you know, like I already said, he'll dive for balls. But also um, – as Dinwiddle, Dinwiddie, whatever the fuck his name is from the Nets, uh, he told a story on J.J. Reddick's show about – T.J. said this himself when J.J. was like, you just turn into a monster. I mean, I see it in you. You're a nice guy, but then when you get on, you're just he, – he called him a pain in the ass, I think. And T.J.'s response was that Dinwiddie said – turned around when he got the inbounds pass and saw T.J. and he said, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> like, he literally was like – you know, because the NBA style is kind of like playoff, let them play a little bit, and, you know, defense when you have to. But, you know, do we, do we really need, like, a full-court press like we're at a CYO basketball when you do the 3-1-1, you know? Um, yeah. TJ's that – he's a coach's son. He's that kind of guy. He'll be up in your face and trying to steal loose balls and everything else and pick the pocket of the center when he has it down low. And it won't show up on the stat sheet, but role players – I agree. Um, role players are going to, on both sides really uh, affect this series. So tomorrow and, should and be. And they're going to excel at home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and the the situation with Joel Embiid, he hasn't been in that lineup in 19 games. It'll be, and he's listed as doubtful. And it's just hard to tell. Like, of course, it's like the wizard situation when John Wall went down, you know, they won a few games and they were saying everybody eats and they're a better team without them, which was ludicrous, but they do have a certain rhythm without them that 
you know, is different. So well, that in itself I, I, might I'll, take a game. What I'll say with uh, with Joel, um, and it's gonna that's a really interesting dynamic to the series um, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of teams in the league that we can't play Hassan anymore. I mean, we gave him $100 million, and now we can't play him, you know, more than 20 minutes a game. Um, but when, when Joel is out there, that is a guy that – I mean, Hassan's played him hard, um, and they've had some really good battles. But one of the things that you guys do not have without Joel is, okay, let's calm down, throw the ball in the post, and just get a quick, easy bucket, you know, stop the bleeding a little bit. Um, right. When if you look at your you know the seventeen game win streak you guys went on, yeah, I think you guys only beat three playoff teams in that time. So I think the whole idea that Philly's better without Joel Embiid is kind of is just crazy to me because you can't lose an All Star center and say we're better. Um, and I know a lot of people have that mentality, but it's wrong. You have to really look at the competition Philly faced, the you know wh- how they were in the first half of the year, and they were beating good teams with Joel is what more of what they are, but on, on our side, we do have a couple of big men that have hardly been able to play that have played, have played well against Joel. So I think it's just going to add a complete new dynamic. I feel like it's going to be a whole different series uh, once Joel gets back because it's almost going to feel like we get Hassan back. And I know that's strange, but it's, it's true because we can't play Hassan when Ilyasova's out there. We look, it, it just looks foolish. So I, 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 I am excited for when Joel gets back because, like I said, it's going to be a whole different series. I think it's, it's going to be two series in one. Yeah, I, I, I agree on that point. When you get Hassan back, um, he's a kind of, he's kind of an old school big guy. He's just he'll eat you up on the boards, and most of his points are coming from your low post, or he gets a lot of putbacks. And he's a guy that I watched play in college, living in West Virginia. I watched him at Marshall, and I thought he came out a year too early personally, but that was just me. But he really developed into something that he's he's really scary put in, when put in the right situation. But you're right. Whenever he is forced to go out and try to guard a stretch four or a, a guy who can shoot or stretch the floor, um, he's really ineffective. Um, but Kelly Olenek yep. can do things like that. Who Kelly Olenek, to me, is valuable to the Heat due to his toughness and his ability, uh, some people might call him a goon, um, but his ability to get in people's heads. Um, what do you yeah. think about Kelly Olenek and how he performs? Or, or their well, shoulders. <laughs> yeah, he'll take, he'll take your shoulder right out of its socket. We, we know that. Um, the interesting <laughs> thing about Kelly so a nicer guy <laughs> couldn't happen. <laughs> I, the interesting thing about Kelly, I think – um, what we as Heat fans did not realize, but um, when you think about a guy like Spolstra, who probably salivates whenever he, he sees a player being underused or misused, um, the Heat are so much better offensively when he's on the floor. He is, um, by every metric, their best offensive player. And I'm, not, I'm talking about not Goran, not uh, Dwayne, not Hassan, not Josh Richardson. It's Kelly Olynyk. Now, maybe he doesn't score all the points, but when he's out there, because he's such a smart player, because he's such a good passer, and like you said, he does get under other teams' skin, and um, he does do the, the little dirty little things, you know, that the, some of the picks he sets aren't, prob- aren't probably the most legal picks in the world. But with a, a player like him out there on the floor, the Heat become a much better offensive team. And I think that's one of the things that people uh, discount about him, how smart of a player he is. Um, and, yeah, he does have some of that ruggedness um, 
about him. But it, just like you guys were talking about with T.J. McConnell, the Heat have like ten of those guys that are just when you, that they, they then some of them are not the most skilled. Like we have Rodney Magruder, who is not the most skilled guy in the world, but is an absolute monster on the floor. Like he does not care. Throws his body out there. He's going to play 12 minutes. He's probably going to pick up four fouls, and he's going to love every second of it. So, you know, that's why I like I, – I always wanted to play either the Cavs or the Sixers. And people would ask me why. You know, oh, don't you want to play Boston? They're hurt. Um, first of all, I don't think – I think people discounted Boston, but that's a whole other story. Um, I just wanted to play uh, Philly because of the matchups in the regular season – Every single one of those games felt like a playoff. Felt like playoff intensity. They all felt like playoff games. Uh, whether it was um, Ben Simmons feeling shafted uh, by Dragic being named an All Star, Simmons and Winslow have never looked like they got along very well. We all know Joel and Hassan hate each other, um, and that's another thing that's exciting about Hassan coming back. Hassan motivated is a is a really good player. Hassan unmotivated is honestly you want him off your team as quick as humanly possible. And playing against Joel Embiid is probably his biggest motivation in this league. So that's that's exciting because we, we're probably going to get 100% engaged Hassan Whiteside versus Joel Embiid, and I'm here for that. Well, one point that I will make um... – Dwayne Wade, I don't know how many of you believe in the plus-minus stat line. Dwayne Wade was plus 16. Joran Drogic and Kelly Olenek tied for second most on the plus-minus with plus 11, if that tells you how important Olenek is to the Heat, depending on how you look yeah, at that if you stat. And if, if you look at the season, I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's, it's glaring how, I mean, just how the, the offensive rating – shoots through the roof. Well, not through the roof, through the roof in, in relativity to the heat, um, how their their offensive rating goes up when he's on the floor. Yeah, yeah our, our counter our counter to that is Dario Saric. He's, he's always in the plus. If he's, quote-unquote, having a bad shooting night, just his presence alone is much like Olenek. If you look at the end of the games, Dario, he didn't play well. All of a sudden, he's plus 19 and what have you. So Yeah. You know, there's there's those kind of players, and uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I, you know, I wasn't expecting a sweep. I wasn't expecting a five game series. I figured six or seven. I uh, I don't believe I'm being a homer. I think the Sixers are going to win it. Obviously, you think the Heat are going to win it, which makes it fun. And it is, like you said, a little bit of an old school rivalry with the trash talking between Embiid and uh, Whiteside. That game that we came all the way back from a. a big deficit here in philadelphia uh when we first got bellinelli right yeah it was up there um yeah it was all the Cavs came back and almost did that to us later in the season but um we got a young team we've got a a talented team you have a little more um playoff experience and savvy and the x factor is Dwayne wade hopefully uh brett brown can think of a way to slow him down when he is on but that's pretty damn hard to do. Um, I think it's going to be fun. Um, I am at TR Shock, and when you when you leave the air, <laughs> kind sir, you can leave your Twitter information and all your plugs, and uh, we'll have a little uh, ball busting fest for the rest of the series. Definitely, guys. It was, well, it was fun. Um, I do want to plug the Miami on. Heat beat. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Anytime, uh, 
we were just discussing when you guys reached out to us, like, okay, who wants to go on and, and talk a little trash? So I, I'm probably the lead trash talker, so I said I'll do it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm with Miami Heat Beat. You can find us at MiamiHeatBeat.com. Uh, we just joined the Five Reasons Podcast Network. We do podcasts. We do video content. We do written content. We do just about everything. Um, so, you know, check out the Twitter feed. I recorded a, a video essay uh, promoting the Sixers Heat matchup. Uh, a lot of people liked it. Most Philly fans won't, but oh well. Uh, <laughs> but besides that, <laughs> yeah, man, check us out, and uh, we'll continue to check you guys out, and have a great rest of the show. Thank you for coming All on. All right, now. brother, thanks Please for coming go, on. Go check him out online, folks, and thank you again. We'll be in touch. All right, brother. Thank you, man. Well, that was Alf at the Miami Heat Beat Podcast. Glad to have him on, talk a little trash. If you ain't ready for tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sixers Heat. After that, I mean, is there something wrong with you? Do we need to call somebody? If you ain't ready <laughs> for that series and that matchup tomorrow, I'll tell you what you are. Dummy! Dummy! Yeah! Yeah! Hey, That's right. exactly. Um, I'll probably catch uh, – by the way, I can't wait to book a goddamn uh, – Rockets analyst to put them on with you if uh, they go down 0 2. <laughs> anyway, you, but you, you call were very me, well behaved. I'm proud of you. <laughs> you call me at the right at the right time, and I'll catch a little flack from our Philly listeners that, uh, oh, how could you be? But I'm being objective. Uh, I'm analyzing it from a, a real point. I'm not a fair weather fan who's just going to say, oh, we'll fucking kill you in five games. You guys suck. They don't suck. I think we're the better team. I made that clear. And, uh, you know, we're young. I didn't expect a sweep. Uh, we played amazing the first game. And then uh, the old man, uh, you know, punched us in the mouth a little bit. Dwayne Wade, me, referring to as the old man, even though I'm 12 years his senior. Um, but hopefully <laughs> he'll find some pussy. He'll find some side pussy and tire his ass out because he's a notorious, you know, he's got that. Who's his wife now that uh, – What's her name? Uh, somebody. She's Mrs. a, a famous chick. Gab- Gabrielle Union. So they, they're still oh. together, right? And he had that uh, he had that white fraud. He had a white fraud at Mark. Man, you got to follow the whole deal, man. You can't just follow the X's and O's. and uh, you got to follow who they're fucking. That's how you learn who's going to win or not. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's got Gabrielle Union. Uh, I think they're still together. He had that white fraud at Marquette. You know, it's funny how these guys upgrade as, as their wealth and fame, you know. Well, as Chris Rock would say, a man is only as – go ahead. I won't get into that. Um, but we've got quite a bit more series to talk about here instead of who's pounding who. That's tomorrow on the Tim and Tom Show here on Wide Man Can't uh, Jump Network. we got a quick plug to do here, so give us about 30 seconds and we'll be right back. Hello, my name is Kennedy Miller and I'm a beauty guide for Limelight by Alcon. We are a professional makeup company now being offered to the public after over 60 plus years in the industry. My website is limelifebyalcon.com backslash makeupkennedy. I can also be found on Facebook as Makeup Kennedy. To contact me about products or joining my team, you can email me at makeupkennedy at yahoo.com. I'll be waiting to hear from you.
That's right, everybody. Makeup Kennedy, one of our sponsors here. My baby niece, my baby who's 19 years old. I'm getting old, TR, my little niece. Selling makeup, and I'm telling you what, she is absolutely fantastic at doing makeup. She's actually went into some schooling for it, and guys, I know you're out there saying, why the hell, Nate, would we want makeup? Listen, some of you out there have women at home you have to keep happy. What better way to keep them happy than to hook them up with some makeup and get great deals and save yourself some money? So do contact her. You've heard everything there. Again, check out Makeup Kennedy. She is fantastic. Posted a really interesting two-faced picture today, which caught me off guard, but she's great. And doesn't hurt she's related to me. So show my family some love. Put some bread on her table, too. All right. Back to some basketball. TR, we yeah. talked about we have talked about the Sixers and the Heat to where I'm sick of it. I'm kidding. But uh, we we talked about the Pacers and the Cavs a little bit. Quick update. That game in the fourth quarter is getting started. Uh, it is a nine-point game in favor of the Cavs. LeBron James has went up to 35 points where Victor Oladipo has 15. Miles Turner has 18. So still anybody's ball game in Cleveland for game two tonight. Um, also underway in the second quarter, the Utah Jazz, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Jazz are up right now, 40 to 35, in the second quarter. Um, let's go ahead and dive into that one. The Jazz, I watched that a lot of that game the other night. Paul George was fantastic. Um, he looked great. The one thing the Jazz have going for them, they have a potential superstar in Donovan Mitchell. They have a lot of guys on that team who can score, but their main point of emphasis is uh, Rudy Gobert, who is, in our opinion, Defensive Player of the Year. Steven Adams has been pretty much a non-factor against Gobert. Gobert is just a monster, and what little bit Adams has done have been on long rebounds, things of that nature. But um, Jeremy Grant for the Thunder actually – um, stepped up and played pretty well in his limited minutes off the bench in game one. Um, Westbrook was Westbrook. Mello hit some shots. Paul George was the standout for the Thunder in that series. A um, lot of guys there on the Thunder team that really have to get it going for them to win. The Jazz, though, um, they had uh, Joe Ingles, who, who is pissed off every time he touches the court. I see him. He is the most pissed off human being in the world. I don't know if you've ever seen this guy, TR. He is yeah, so mad. I like that quality. Oh, he's always mad. He is so pissed every time he's on the court. I'm surprised he doesn't get tossed like Rasheed Wallace used to. Rasheed used to get tossed just for telling the officials, hi, how you doing? But um, Philly native. Philly native, Rasheed. <clears throat> that, that explains a lot. Uh, but <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Take it easy. Um I am. You know, I love Philly. It's I'll go all trust weekend. the process on you. Oh, shit. But, uh, I'll flip. I'll turn heel. Go ahead. One thing I saw the other night that the, the Jazz were relying a lot on was a guy who I know very well shooting jump shots. Ricky Rubio shooting a jump shot is the funniest phrase an NBA commentator can make. And Rubio for three. Because that means somebody's getting a rebound. Because the dude cannot shoot a jump shot it's been over 10 years and the guy cannot make a jumper 
It's sad. Such, such, such great hair, though. You're just saying that because I'm bald. <laughs> no, I'm bald right now, too. I shaved my hair. I know. But, that, I know. That, but that's one thing that I had to add. He has a great head of hair, though. I'll give credit where credit is due on the hair. It's pretty good. But Rubio's jump shot is atrocious. Um, Donovan Mitchell's got to be the guy to lead that team. I don't think he's ready to do it yet. Um, again, Utah's like Indiana. You know, both five seeds in the in in the playoffs on both sides are they're like one really good player away. Derek Favors, he's gonna do what Derek Favors does, which is he's gonna get some rebounds, score some points, not much else. He's not gonna blow your stat sheet up. He's not gonna do a lot. Uh, Go Bears, the guy you want to keep your eye on. Um, Joe Ingles is a good jump shot, but he's streaky. Rubio's got great handles, can find anybody open, and he's good at that. That's what that's what he does. That's what he's known for. Um, but tonight it looks like Favors has actually been the guy against Oklahoma City. He's almost got a double-double before halftime, but he's only plus two. So that tells you how that's going. Jay Crowder has got to be the guy to step up on defense. That's the guy they're going to need. Uh, Dante Exum and uh, Jeronis Jerkobo. I mean, these are just names that I'm throwing out there that, that don't mean a lot to a lot of people, but they're the, the bench, and they're not deep in that bench position. Exum was a former top pick from Australia who was supposed to be the next big thing, and he just never panned out. Jerkobo's a jump shooter. Uh, it's just Utah's not deep enough to me, T.R. They're not better than Oklahoma City's starting lineup. And Oklahoma doesn't play a lot of bench players. They got Raymond Felton, Patrick Patterson plays here and there. Uh, they've got Alex Sabrinas, who who was surprisingly played well, a good outside jump shooter. Corey Brewer is plays good uh, minutes for them. But these are two teams that are very top heavy. But then the bench situation is just not there for them. I don't know. I don't see either team getting past an opponent in the second round. I have a different take a little bit, slightly. Um, Okay. Because I was getting into it. I was getting into it a little bit about Indiana before our guest had called, and I never finished. Um, You were talking about if Indiana could have just that one guy to put them over the hump. Um, And this will tie in. It will be real quick. Um, Indiana, unfortunately, has always had that problem going back to Reggie Miller. They were like the bridesmaid and never the bride. Uh, Then they had Paul George and George Hill and that squad who would get there but just couldn't get over the hump. Um, So that's pretty consistent with their franchise when they have been good. They've always needed, like, just a little bit more. Um, But jumping to Utah and Oklahoma City, Paul George, a former Indiana Pacer, you know, came out like gangbusters in game one. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested in tonight because if Utah can sneak one, Utah, whether it be, uh, you know, they say Utah, Denver, especially, it's it's more relevant in football. But I believe it's a factor as to why they're so damn good at home is that altitude. Um, because year in and year out, whether their squad is, stacked with uh, John Stockton and Carl Malone. I'm showing my age here. Or the current, you know, the Go Bears and the Donovan Mitchells, et cetera. 
I think the altitude, uh, because there's been squads that aren't so talented, but Utah still seems to have a winning record at home. Utah has traditionally been a very hard place to win for uh, any other uh, opposing team. And I don't know if uh, Billy Donovan's got all those guys on the same page now. I'm not sure. If they are, they certainly have the talent to, you know, at least grab one and keep their home court advantage and everything. I think Oklahoma City's the better team, but tell you, if Utah can sneak one tonight, could be a long series. Could be a, could be one and done for those superstar-ridden OKC Thunder. I, I mean, think that. But Utah's a tough place to play. Is my point. Very tough place to win. Oh, it's very tough, and I'm not doubting Utah's ability. Uh, again, they're just, you know, I think they add a couple really good bench players, get one more really good superstar. I think Utah's a team that could compete. It's just right now sure. that lineup doesn't – it just doesn't do it for me, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, their they're seeding will we'll put them – I don't know if, if there's any trades we'd have to – pull out the paperwork to see your draft positioning and all that stuff. And, you know, that's a big, big off season year, but it's, it's kind of hard to get somebody to come out to Salt Lake city, unless you're really offering on the moon. So, uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll see with they, them, but I, go ahead. to me, they really overshot their expectations this year. Uh, losing Hayward, oh, I, yeah. I left them for, left them for dead. They trade Rodney hood. They get rid of Joe Johnson they move a lot of pieces at the all-star break and they're still here competing. So they got a five seed out of it and they were one win away. If they beat the Blazers, they're the three seed and they've got home court. So Utah, no slouch. I'm not taking anything away from them, but on paper, that lineup just doesn't look like a team to me. That's going to compete. Oklahoma city though, very top heavy. If one of their three stars doesn't show up, they're vulnerable because that's really all they have. I think you made a good point about uh, one of the underrated guys on OKC. I mean, for years now, but um, Stephen Adams, he's he's a oh, big yeah. pain in the ass. We've been we've been highlighting some of the non superstars, even though they're paid like a bazillion dollars. But Stephen well, Adams is not. another guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we could always go back to Mozgov's uh, contract, but you know, uh, Stephen Adams is always a guy you see. That's just uh, grinding and getting those key rebounds and making a key block or even, you know, a key foul that'll just knock a team from a big run. And uh, Gobert's pretty much in the early going, you know, made him non-existent. So that's a key matchup. I uh, I like that series. I, uh, I kind of uh, I kind of wish it was uh, fun. It was fun to watch. I watched uh, game one the other night. I really enjoyed watching it. Uh, I think it's going to be a series that goes at least six. Because if yeah. Utah can escape with this one, I think Oklahoma can get game four. I don't think they'll get game three. But it's going to come down to probably game six, if I was guessing. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. Um, uh, like I said, tonight for me will be a telltale sign of whether Utah can actually uh, overcome this first round. And it's, it's, it's intimidating for, I mean, even Donovan Mitchell, who's overachieved in his rookie year for sure. And a bona fide yeah, star really in has. the uh, NBA. He's, he's looking across at, you know, yeah. Russell Westbrook, Paul George, specifically Russell Westbrook, but uh, Paul George and Mello and 
it's like, damn, I was in Louisville last year, and now I'm here under the bright lights. But he's he's performed so far uh, in those situations. So we'll see what he's made of. And uh, yeah. the future is huge. The future is huge for them if they can get a, a nice draft pick and free agent. Like you said, another piece or two, and they'll be okay. Yeah, I don't know whose picks they own going forward or whose they don't own going forward. It's going to be an interesting uh, stat line to see or an interesting offseason. Uh, I do know that they owned Oklahoma City's pick, and they traded it in the Rubio deal, which got over to Minnesota, and Minnesota owns that pick, which our pick in this year's draft went to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, so – that's a whole other can of worms that I could get into. We'd be here all night. Um, one thing is the guy who led – the two guys who led the Thunder in game one and plus minus Arabinus and Jeremy Grant for the Thunder. I thought that was interesting. Plus 14 and plus 12 respectively. And Arabinus looked great playing ball. What's up? Well, Jeremy Jeremy Grant was here as part of the – process so uh you know great move great we'll move be hearing that. well yeah i mean that supports our point but they'll say see hickey knew what he was doing he brought in jeremy grant yeah and then he got anyway. rid of jeremy grant so great move uh yeah i, I mean another star time. and a go ahead you get almost halftime in that game before we get back to the process that we hate. Jazz 48, Thunder 45, getting close to halftime. Cavs are still up eight with eight minutes to go. That one's going to be close. Um, we're going to have a guest joining us here in about five minutes. Uh, we're going to talk a little Celtics with him. So when he calls in, I'll give you a heads Jesus up. Jesus Christ, but, uh, what is this, anti-Philly? <laughs> I didn't even know that you booked a second guest. <laughs> it happened, honestly. I've been doing it through message the whole time I've been on the show, so that shows how professional I am. I've been talking to this organization all day, and finally somebody is going to jump on the show with us. So uh, second guest, going to talk Celtics and Wizards, that series. So we'll dive into that. Uh, we got a few minutes here. I don't want to get into – let's go ahead and talk about – another series real quick i don't want to get into the those two series just yet so raptors wizards we'll talk about that one that one we can get through kind of quick the raptors are up two games to none on the wizards um basically the first game the raptors did not look great they came out sluggish they ended up winning though they were able to win uh, I believe the final on that game, if I can find it here, was 114-106. Um, they, that was actually the first game one they've ever won in their last 10 attempts. So they win yeah. that game. Then they, then they bounce back on Tuesday, last night. DeMar DeRozan has 37. They win 131-19 over the Wizards. Uh, John Wall had a great game. Ty Lawson, who they signed, um, had 14. Then they had a lot of help from Mike Scott, not of Dunder Mifflin, but of the Washington Wizards. He had 20 points. Wall had nine assists as well. Bradley Bill, only nine points, went three of 11 shooting the ball, which is poor for him. Uh, Otto Porter, only 12 points, uh, but he did shoot 50%. 
here's a stat to me that, that really hurts them. Martin Gortat, zero points, three rebounds. Got to get more out of Gortat. Um, he only played 12 minutes. Uh, they gave most of the workload to Ian Mahimi. He got most of the work and overlooked me on that pronunciation, folks. I'm sorry. I tried to pride myself in pronouncing these names correctly. I did not do well. Bradley Beal, though, in the plus minus, minus 34, Marcus Morris, uh, or excuse me, Markeith Morris, minus 31. Those are stat. Those are just bad numbers on the plus minus side of things. Uh, for Toronto, though, in game two, um, DeRozan went off. Lowry had a double-double with points and assists, almost had the triple-double. Serge Ibaka is super valuable, plus 32 in the plus-minus, uh, 10 points, 9 rebounds, 3 blocks, um, just super valuable. And every player on the Raptors played in that game, if that tells you something about how deep they are as a team. That's why, to me, I think they're going to make it to the finals this year. They can play every single person on that bench. I'm going to uh... – I'm not going to disagree or agree that they they'll make the finals. They they certainly can. Uh, Serge Ibaka is a key to that. Um, they're playing Washington as much as Bradley Beal played, you know, poorly. Uh, tomorrow he could play. He could put up 30, and uh, the role could be reversed with Kyle Lowry or I would say DeRozan. But DeRozan's pretty solid. You can pretty much count on him every game. Um, but uh, the talent and the two guard tandems is pretty much a wash. I think I think the key to the series is, like you said, Gortat. I don't know if there's an injury involved there, but um, Morris, guys like that. If you can't uh, handle a Baca who's long in the tooth, has experience, and you said his plus minus was like 33 or something, 32. Something I mean, that. when he's on the court with those guys blocking shots, you know, getting keyboards and in possessions for a whiz. Uh, some people, because it's 2 nothing, uh, are just kind of, you know, Toronto, this is quote-unquote their best season, and which it is. I mean, but uh, I think, I don't know, man. I, I, the Wizards in Washington, this, this is a series that could either go 4 nothing or seven games. I mean, it, it could be a different series after two games of uh, – Bradley Beal from half court. When he gets on, he's unstoppable. And True. He and Wall. I mean, if they uh, if they can coexist, and I, you know, this is this is the series that Tim probably gets on his twenty uh, four hour loop up there in Canada. But it's kind of like <laughs> Canadian. The Raptors don't draw ratings, so it's like you have to find it to uh, to get to watch this series. But. Um, yeah, Washington, I, I wouldn't give up on yet. They're they're a sneaky eight, and they've been to the playoffs before. They, they, somehow they they match up better with the Cavs. They're always a pain in the Cavs' ass. So, like I yeah, said, uh, really it's kind of, this this is kind of like a uh, I can't go wrong answer, but it's it's not intentional. That series could go two to two literally, or just four zero. I mean, it depends. It depends on the play of the big men of Washington. Well, I will tell you this. Dave Johnson, the commentator for the Washington Wizards, is going to be on with us at some point. If the Wizards are eliminated, he will be on next Wednesday. I've talked to him already. 
If not, we will have him on some other time, and he is looking forward to coming on talking some Wizards ball with us. So Wizards fans, hang in there with us. As of right now, we're going to jump into another series with our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is Bobby Manning of SB Nation Selps Blog. Bobby, thanks for jumping on with us, my friend. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. Happy, happy to have playoff basketball here, and uh, always a joy to break it down. Appreciate it. Thank you for jumping on. Hey, Bobby. My, co- my co-host, TR, is a big Philly fan, so go ahead and mm-hmm. give him hell if you want. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had, you know, I I'm said, not, go ahead. It's, it's going to get hot between the 76ers and Celtics down the line here, so I might as well say a few good things first before that happens. Um the process work. I'll give that to you. Um, oh, bad, bad choice of words, Bobby. Bad choice of words. <laughs> I'll just say that right off the bat. Ben Simmons is amazing. Embiid is even better. And got some good veterans in there. Thank Amir Johnson coming over from the Celtics, helping bring it together a little bit. And you guys did the hardest part this year, going from losing to winning. That's a, that's a tough thing to do. And they went all the way from not being in the playoffs since 2012 to the three seed, pretty pretty miraculous. But uh, it's going to be hard if they don't have Embiid going forward. Yeah, I, uh, you know, that's that's a real. This organization keeps a lot secret and a lot on the down low. And uh, Brian Colangelo, like if if it's pretty, you know, I'm sure it made it up to Boston that Embiid uh, Instagrammed or tweeted that he was tired of being treated like an effing baby and and so forth. Yep. Um, but Colangelo, much like, and I'm, I'm not a process person. I hated Sam Hankey. I hated losing on purpose and stuff, but, um, we lucked up and got two generational players that happened to come out when we got a real general manager and picked Ben Simmons over Brandon Ingram, but that's another story. Um, yep. Not that I'm, not that I'm that big of a Colangelo fan. See, I'm arguing against my own self, mate. You set me up to <laughs> Anyhow, um, <laughs> Listen, listen to this, Bobby. Uh, I'm play, we're playing the Heat, and I'm coming off a loss where Dwayne Wade was resurrected from the dead and played like freaking Michael Jordan. And Nate first get first guess is a Miami Heat guy to speak to me, and now our biggest rival historically, <laughs> the Boston Celtics, when we were good, we're finally doing good again. And Nate books a Boston Celtics guy. And that's no offense, because I are you familiar with Sean Grandy? Yep commentator up there he's an old friend from uh he was actually our first guest when we first started six months ago so you know i got i got love for people in boston but you know as far as six or celtics like you said down the road it's going to be a much bigger thing than it is right now um because you know ainge ainge got us with that trading up for fault thing and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, hey, let's they're get connect, to your They're connected here. at the hip forever, it feels like now. And that, that Fultz-Tatum thing is going to be a comparison that everyone makes for years to come, which is great because every decade it feels like these two teams have been intertwined, most playoff games between those two. And uh, I'm I'm ready to get it going. Twenty People forget that 2012 series between those two. Seven intense games. Now, of course, Brandon Bass went out there and won it. But it was entertaining stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. There's always, there's, I mean, literally the biggest rival that we have, I mean, from your perspective, would probably be the Lakers with the Sixers a close second. But, you know, back in the glory days, 
it was always Philly hates Boston, blah, 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 blah. But <clears throat> to your series, I'm one of those guys, and it happens when you're out of market, and we pride ourselves in covering everybody, you know, pretty equally, Nate and I. Nate's a T-Wolves guy. I'm a Sixers guy, but we like to keep a, a real perspective and not just be homers. And I honestly thought with Kyrie, uh, with, the, er, with the injury coming out as more severe than it actually was originally thought, I was one of those guys that was like, wow, uh, Brad Stevens is a hell of a coach, and I know he's pretty deep, but Hayward gone, never saw him. I, I was going to, you know, give him props for possible, you know, in the conversation for coach of the year to have such a great squad without, you know, a key acquisition and coaching up the young guys and what have you. Um, and then Kyrie's out. And I just kind of said, hey, man, this, this could be anybody's series, and it still can. But the Celts have looked like, just from a team perspective, and I think uh, it was Bledsoe that said, I don't even know who the hell Terry Rozier is. Well, guess what? Yeah, he probably he's a different word, now. but <laughs> Yeah, I, and we, we curse on here, but, I, you know, but yeah. I do it a little too much, so I try to refrain as much as I can. But, Here, here's uh, the thing, so. Celtics got locked in at the, as the two seed very early, so they really had no control over who they who they were going to see first round. But it was clear it was going to be the Heat, Bucks, or uh, the uh, Wizards. So everyone's debating over who they want to see. You know, a lot of people see what's going on with the Wizards, the dysfunction there, and they said that's a good place to be. Um, Miami, you know, no definitive star there. Other people argue for them, but the Bucks were the number one team you heard when everyone was asked who they want to play round one. And that's that's surprising to some, I would figure, even to me, because they have a superstar in Giannis Antetokounmpo, one of the best 10, 15 players in the league. Normally in the playoffs, that's not what, what you want to see, especially when you have no definitive superstar on your team going into it. But uh, you you see now in this series why people wanted the box. Uh, there's just no discipline whatsoever, a technical foul, in game two, really started to swing things and uh, terrible defense, you know, just complete unawareness for switches, you know, not not playing the pick and roll very good at all. And pretty much offensively, they're running two guys into the paint, Middleton and um, Giannis, and no one else is helping them out out there. They are botching the point guard situation, I feel like. Bledsoe has given them nothing. They have a rookie of the year from a season ago in Brogdon who's just been tossed to the bench in favor of him. Even though he's, he's clearly a better player to me, you can see in this series. And it doesn't even look like the coach that they picked over Jason Kidd midway through the season uh, is giving them a better alternative to calm things down. He doesn't really seem to have answers in these post-game press conferences. And, you know, give them a ton of credit. Game one, they almost turned it into overtime and stole the game with that ridiculous shot Middleton hit. But then in game two, they just come out and lay down against a team that's had so much go against them in the Celtics. They're going to be the ones to lay down and just give up in game two the way they did. <laughs> it's it's everything yeah. that Celtics fan could have asked for in this series because the Bucks just seem to have no guts to them. Yeah, the Bucks have so the Bucks have so many players. If you look at them on paper, it's like wow, look at this list yeah. of of good players. But you're right, they're undisciplined. They need a coaching change again, in my opinion, because this group mm-hmm. of talent should not um, be should not lose the way they lost in Game Two. 
Now, I give credit to the Celtics because the Celtics are disciplined, and Brad Stevens is a great coach. And yes. he has brought the best out of Jalen Brown. And, you know, I may be the only one who even remembered he was on the team on my end, but Terry Rozier has been phenomenal. He had, he mm-hmm. was plus 19 in the plus minus, 23 points, eight assists. Stats are crazy. What yeah. has been and his you, factor? Go ahead, guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> you you look at the three guys who are in their attack right now. It says another thing about what the Celtics have done right since Stevens arrived is they've drafted fantastic players. And now you tip your cap to the Nets because they've been the ones doing the uh, tanking for us through that. <laughs> but uh, they've got yeah. Jalen Brown, who's now their leading scorer just two years into his career outside of Irving. That was an underrated thing going into the playoffs, how consistent of a scorer he's become. Uh, Terry Roger, who infamously was rated an F by CBS, his draft pick back in 2015, looks like a player that could start on a number of teams in this league now, plus 19 in game two. And then, of course, Jason Tatum in year one. Struggled in game two, but gave them a lot on the defensive end. Uh, Game one, he was very solid. And that's, you know, outside of Marcus Morris, that's been their big three attacking offensively since you lost probably figured well over 20 points a game and Hayward going down game one of this season. You lose your first point guard late in the year, and then you lose your second point guard in the same exact game. March 11th, the Celtics lost three players in that game. And it's just become a staple of Stevens. Every single guy on the bench is ready to go, ready to get involved, and that's what's driven them. Roger, Shane Larkin, even to some degree, he was five of eight in game two. That's your fourth point guard coming into this year, producing at this yeah. level. It's it's amazing how Stevens gets everyone involved. It feels magical sometimes how much he's able to get out of players who you wouldn't expect much from. And he's coach of the year. I don't think there's any doubt about it at this point, as you said in the opener. Like, who who has had to deal with more roster issues this year than Stevens losing uh, five players, I believe, for the, uh, the season? You guys you guys also have my favorite non-sixer. Um, and we talked about it uh, on an earlier episode with uh, when you guys played Houston, and that's Marcus Smart. Uh, he mm-hmm. was, you know, talked about as – trade bait and, and so forth around a trade deadline, I was like, man, if I could have 15 Marcus Smarts, I'd say the hell with LeBron James or everybody else. The guy's like, I, I mean, I'm from Philly, so you know we're a little bit classless, you know, dirty, filthy. <laughs> we're a bunch of animals. And I, I wear that proudly. And I like the guy since Okie State when he shoved the fatso in the first, uh, first row. And uh, it was such a hullabaloo. I, you know, I was like, great you know this guy's got courtside seats he's probably a wealthy you know corporate alumnus blah 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 blah. and marcus just you know shoved him about three feet and got a lot of heat i said please let's draft that guy so anyway uh you know he's my favorite non-philadelphia player and yeah like you said you, you guys brad stevens I'm not sure. I, I mean, we were talking about coach of the year last week and you know we're putting over quinn snyder's job and uh uh, who else did we say is up there, Nate? D'Antoni's uh, up we, there for sure. We we said D'Antoni, yeah. Terry Terry Stotts, um, maybe Greg Dwayne Popovich, Casey. Dwayne, Dwayne Casey. Casey. There's, There's yeah, Dwayne Casey. 
lot of good, yeah, good jobs, like, but but Stevens is up there for sure. Yeah, and you know, people say you, it's about what you're given coming in, and they had a lot going for them roster wise early on. And even after you lose Hayward, there's still a ton of talent here. You have an all star in Al Horford who's been present through it all. Irving, you know, even though they've lost him, did a lot to bring this team together through the early uh, months of the season. And the way he adapted so quickly here said a lot about him. So I wouldn't underrate the efforts these players have shown up and down the board, but uh, Stevens has shown consistently throughout his career here in Boston that he's going to maximize guys' strengths, minimize their weaknesses. Nobody's shown that now more than Greg Monroe, a player who a lot of people here in Boston didn't seem to think was a good fit with his defense, with the way he plays, post-up style. Didn't seem to fit in with the way Stevens does things here, but he's getting – you know, ten and five at least out of him every single night now coming off the bench too and let's not forget that's a guy Milwaukee tossed away to get Eric Bledsoe and the way the series has gone so far I think they'd redo that. <laughs> Especially the way Monroe used yeah. to play against the Celtics. Yeah. I I'm not gonna take away from Casey. They were the one seed this year. They changed things up and had, did a fantastic job and um it's not the most adversity award as some have said to me, which isn't even the argument I'm making for Stevens. It's just look at the cards he's been given, what he's done relative to that, and I don't think anyone has had to deal with more turnover just coming into the year and then whatever came after that. It's it's unquestioned in my mind. Nate, well, your response? Well, it's hard to argue with those facts, but uh... – you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, guys who you you pick to build this team on heading forward. You got great stars for the future, great stars of the present. And, you know, I think uh, even uh, Morris is a great talent, a great fit in Boston. And I don't know, Brad Stevens is just a guy who I think he could take the three of us and get us to the playoffs somehow. <laughs> he would figure out a way. He's really a fantastic coach. He proved that at Butler. He took a, the Butler Bulldogs to the final final four a couple times, and man, I tell you, that, that's that's impressive. And mm-hmm. hats off to him. And when you and when you look at Danny Ainge's legacy now, the great moves he's made. You're getting Kevin Garnett oh, yeah. here, of course, getting Kyrie Irving here. Um, a lot of brilliant trades. But if you're if we look back at his legacy now. Hiring Brad Stevens is going to be right up there with the Garnett oh, trade, sure. with everything else he's done. And that says a lot about that, him as a GM being able to, you know, as Doc Rivers walked away, a championship coach, you had two all-stars going away in Garnett and Pierce, to be able to get the th- – think of how many teams, the Bucks included right now, just can't get it together to coach the Knicks. Uh, even the uh, Suns. Hawks are about to lose a great coach. So many teams have coaching issues around the league now. Look at Boston, and they're not even going to have to think about coaching for the next decade or two. It's it's a great place to be in. All right, all right. Enough of that. TR? (laughs) 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 Um, I want to go back to the point you made about Greg Monroe. A long, long time ago now, it seems. It wasn't very long ago, but we were – dying to unload Jaleel Okafor and Nick Stauskas. Stauskas was just kind of like there, but definitely we wanted to get rid of Okafor. And yep, there was a little rumor at the time that Monroe would somehow end up here, and that 
you know, we'd work something out where Okafor was going. Then they found uh, New Jersey, or I, I called them New Jersey again, Brooklyn, to take that problem off our hands, created by Sam Hankey, mm-hmm. I may add. But anyway. Um, <clears throat> but Greg Monroe is kind of a, a better, a slightly better, I'm not going to say way better, but a slightly better version of who we got from you, and that's Amir Johnson, who I, you know, is a good part of our bench, and stepping up when Embiid's hurt, and he's a he's a, a Boston type player that we have, like a, a mucker and a grinder, if you use a hockey term. But Mon- Monroe is a slight upgrade in my opinion. So again, that fucking Danny Ainge snuck one over on him, and uh, <laughs> he, he could have been in the red, white, and blue, and. Whatever, but we'll I'll probably you end up how seeing you, you down the road. How are you feeling about that? Fultz at this point? He had a he had a roller coaster of a year. <laughs> at one point you were probably saying, "Nope, not 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 good." But he's come back, triple double, playoffs, looking pretty good. I don't know. It's been it's been a quite the experience with him. It's been slow and steady with Tatum. Every game he's giving you something. You know, never too high, never too low. But Fultz, it's been everywhere. <laughs> Well, I, I was a big fan of Danny Ainge at BYU. Um, after that, not so much, um, because he really put a dagger. I was the number one anti-Markel Fultz guy here. Um, when we didn't get the ping-pong ball and got to number three, I, I gasped a sigh of relief and said, wow, if, if this – because I watched him at Washington when they were 9-20, and 20, and he was just a scorer. He's one-dimensional guy, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. most of his points were coming from behind where he's like shooting from half court just to get them reasonably close. You know, he's six five with that six nine wingspan and all those, you know, things that analytic people like. But to me, he was on my board. He was legit uh, something like 12 or 13 as far as the wow. player. And, and this can be backed up by Nader of 50 other people that I had in this closed group during draft time. But I said, I, I don't want him at all. And I actually, it, it, before the season, I said, you watch, he's going to, the organization will create some phantom injury. These were my exact words. I'm paraphrasing, but close to exact. They'll create some phantom injury, and T.J. McConnell will have his minutes by November. Damn if he didn't have a scapular imbalance, and T.J. McConnell had his minutes by November. And, I don't like him, but then they kept sneaking videos out of the practice facility. And he was learning, much like Ben Simmons in the Rookie of the Year argument, he was learning a lot. And, he, he, you know, some of his shots were could be on blooper reels of, of how his shot got diminished and changed. And a lot of mental issues for a 19-year-old. Then all of a sudden you bring in Bellinelli and uh, Ilyasova, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like there's such a vibe where there's no pressure on the number one pick. And he was improving, and, and the videos were leaking where he kind of got his shot back and his confidence was there. With him, it's a lot mental. I, I will say when he pulled that triple-double, and even in his debut, I had, to, uh, I had to swallow my pride a little bit and say, you know what, the kid's going to be okay. Number one overall, in my opinion, is for immediate impact, which that's why I didn't like him. Uh, but I got to say – Next year, I'll give him an open mind to be, you know, a decent player and a good part of the future. 
Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. And I was originally a Fultz guy. Once you started hearing Tatum's name, you want you saw why Ainge highlighted him as that number one guy for them that he said he would have even picked if he stayed at number one. It was just rock solid fundamentals, the great footwork, the skills that looked like a veteran in a nineteen year old body. It's just it just stood out. I saw him play yeah, up here at Syracuse. Player. I go to school here and he just seemed like a step above everyone else. Now Fultz I'm I'm not I'm not as low as you were going into the draft, even with seeing some of the issues he had this year, but he brings some tangibly great things. You know, the way he glides to the paint, I love how he's able to get in there. That's a thing I look for in point guards, the penetration. It's good on the dribble. I think he'll figure the shot out at some point, but you know, at least you're getting something out of him this year when it looked like his season might have been completely lost early on. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I had to swallow my pride and give him some credit because uh, he certainly – the reason they brought him in is uh, what they specified is that we have nobody that could make their own shot. Ben can drive and kick, but we needed that, that element. And he certainly proved that he can do that at this level. So I, I'll lay off him for a while, and hopefully he contributes to our success. Um, but I'd, I'd have rather had that pick and Tatum to be honest with you. But you got us again, Danny Ainge. What am I going to do? <laughs> well, Bobby, we don't want to take too much of your time. I know you got some work to do. So thank you very much for coming on. If you want to tell our listeners where they can follow you at and stay, you know, stay up with what you're doing, uh, you can go ahead and do that now. Yeah. Plug away. Yeah, the spot's at Real Bob Manning on Twitter. You can find all of our writing over at Celtics blog. And uh, all my other stuff uh, that I do is over there as well. So that's it. Well, thank you for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll probably be back in touch with you if the Sixers and the Celtics meet in the second round. I'd really like to see that and get you back on and talk a little bit. Yeah, it'll be a little more fiery then. So let's do it. Uh, I hope (laughs) so. I hope so. Thanks. Have a good one, buddy. Well, that was Bobby Manning on with us here. Um, and by the way, we want to give a big shout out now to our buddies over at wowfreecams.com. That's right, wowfreecam.com. Jump on there right now and check out all the great content they have. Wowfreecam.com has been one of our sponsors from the beginning. And we thank them for sticking with us with our new sponsors going forward. And we want you guys, if you're feeling lonely and you got nobody to hold you tonight, go over to Wow Free Cam. They'll make you feel better. And uh, just show them some love. Tell them Nate and TR sent you. What did I do to you tonight? <laughs> Brings on a, a Heat guy, a Celtics guy, you. and then adds in. Then adds in, go go to our sponsor, our gracious, wonderful sponsor, wowfreecam.com. If yeah. you have nobody to hold you tonight, knowing I'm laying down here in my bed uh, <laughs> doing the show. Do you want me to come hold you, TR? <laughs> somebody needs to hold me after this goddamn show. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 snuck, I, I, snuck, I snuck a peek at uh, our sponsor, believe it or not, for the first time um, recently. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I could pleasantly say it delivers, and, and for free you can't beat it, um, no pun intended. Uh, 
Yeah, it was it was quite uh, you know maybe at a later episode I'll I'll reveal uh, you know what went on when I when I browsed through WowFreeCam.com, but uh, certainly you have many choices and a, a lot of uh, availability for whatever uh, floats your boat, so to speak, over there. Definitely, definitely. Um, final Cavaliers one hundred, Pacers ninety seven. Pacers kept it close. They brought it back. Almost got the win. Close game. Cleveland makes it a series. Tied 1-1, heading to Indiana. And if you're Indiana, I think you got to be excited moving forward. wonder what the spread was on that or how, how that game went. i got to uh, look for some high, highlights later. I don't know what the spread was. I would have to think after game one that it had to be the Pacers were giving up some points. Um, I don't know if they no, covered. No, though. that would be the thing. Cavs, Cavs healthy uh, would still be favored at home. Think so? Uh, yeah. Let me see. Maybe I can find it real quick for you before we dive into. We're going to talk another series here in a second. We may not get to all the series that I wanted to talk to tonight because, believe it or not, this show we've had a lot to say and we have flew through this uh, couple hours here. Uh, let's see if we can get a. I don't know if they'll have a spread or not on here. Um, I'm not don't, seeing don't a sweat spread. Up. Okay, I'm not seeing a spread here. Um, but oh, here it is. Uh, Cleveland was given eight. Wow, that's that's uh, high. They covered that obviously. Oh yeah, Indiana covered. They covered that easily. Um, so yeah, the Jazz are up eight on the Thunder. Looking to close out or close in on that series, and Minnesota and Houston starts up here very shortly, and Minnesota's getting ten and a half. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, speaking of Minnesota, Houston, I haven't even got to talk about my Wolves tonight. I've been over here giving you hell all night uh-huh. <laughs> with the. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll try and book a Rockets guy next week for you. Okay. And, uh, will that make Good. you feel better? Okay. Well, but, but then, uh, but, you know, by some miracle, the T Wolves are up three to one by then. Then, I don't know. But <laughs> I doubt. I very much doubt that. If the Wolves are still in by next Wednesday, I'll be stunned. But either way, the Wolves yeah. and the Rocket series was very. Uh, game one happened on Sunday, and uh, there was a lot going on in that game. James Harden was James Harden, forty-four points, um, just tore the T Wolves a new asshole. If the, if anybody ever did, he did. My God, he, you know. And, and you know what? Let me go on a small rant here. When did the NBA start allowing so much walking? James Harden travels almost every time he gets the ball. Am I the only one that sees that? Seriously, am I the only person who sees it? I see him travel constantly. Do you want me to interject or let you just ramble? Go, go ahead. What, what do you got to say to that? <clears throat> yeah, they do let him walk, and they let LeBron walk, and they let uh, – you get that privilege when you when you get in that rarefied air, and uh, okay. it goes all the way back to when I was a kid with the, you know, Magic and, and uh, Kareem. No, not so much those guys, but the superstars of that era, Jordan, et cetera. Um, even Larry Bird might have took an extra step or two, but he was pretty fundamentally sound. But, but yeah, that's just something you really have to have to just sit there and eat when you're on the other side of the superstar. Unfortunately, well, one thing is, 
Harden really took over the game, was the deciding factor. But the Rockets shot poorly. As Minnesota fell 104-101, they lost by three and had a chance to tie it up. Clint Capella had 20-10 and 10 at the end of the first half. Second half kind of shut him down. He had four points, two rebounds in the second half. So Minnesota closed in on him but could not stop Harden. Paul was a non-factor. Well, Paul had 14 points, so I wouldn't say he was a non-factor. But uh, Eric Gordon didn't shoot well. Trevor Ariza only had three points. P.J. Tucker's a defensive, you know, threat. That's a guy that he's going to play good defense. Nene is a guy who just comes in and does what Nene does. He'll put up points, grab some rebounds. He's good in the post. Gerald Green didn't shoot well. I think all that's going to change tonight. If the Wolves were going to get one, game one would have been it. I don't think the Wolves win tonight, unfortunately. Um, They did get up and down the floor better. I, I thought they did that. That's been a uh, thing that everyone's been griping about about the Wolves all year. They don't run the floor. They play slow-down basketball. And that is an issue. I'll, I'll agree. That's a big issue for me. I wish they'd run some more. But they, I like that they slow it down a little bit. Uh, Jamal Crawford had 15. Uh, Jeff Teague had 15. Butler, 13. The guy who really disappointed me was Towns. Only had 8 points, 12 rebounds. They didn't take advantage of mismatches in the post off the switch. Um, nobody on that team can guard him. Capella maybe could, but they, they double him in the post, and he's such a good passer. As soon as they come over and double-team him in the post with Harden, he's a he's got to kick that ball. And if they don't double-team him, he's just got to ISO and use his post moves and his, his height. And Wolf's spacing wasn't bad. Um, one guy, Nemanja Bialicia, didn't score. Gorgie Jang had seven. Um, one guy who I really need to give a hand clap for is Derrick Rose. While he wasn't good in the plus minus, he finished at minus six. He was the, the guy who kept the wolves in the game. He had 16 points, four assists. Derrick Rose looked like, I won't say Rose of old, but he played very well. He really was, was coming off the dribble well. And he tried to get in the paint a couple times, knocked down some good jump shots. Derrick Rose looked good. And if we can get that kind of effort from him in the playoffs, we got a chance. Taj Gibson's always a big piece for Minnesota. He's a, he's the firing force. He's probably the, the straw that stirs the drink that is Minnesota. We're just not ready to play a team like Houston. I don't, th- I don't think we get swept. I think we win at least one game. Um, but I don't think we win the series. And Jim Peterson, friend of the show, has come out and said, uh, one thing to look for in tonight's game a lot of defensive three-second calls you're not going to see called on Houston. They do defensive three-seconds a lot, and they don't call it. So if anybody's watching yeah. that game, it should should be tipping off. It just tipped. Uh, check out the defensive three-seconds and tell me I'm wrong. Tell me Jim Peterson's wrong. That guy knows the game. So keep an eye on that. How is the uh, status of Jimmy Butler's uh, little wrist deal? Uh, it's bothering him, but... It's not to the point. Jimmy Butler's going to play. He sat on the sidelines too long already, and he's he's going to play. Well, yeah, that's that's a big factor. He's uh, he has a little bit of it's uh, just a pull. I think it's just an more annoying. than Joel Embiid does. Yeah, I mean, well, Jimmy's <clears throat> well, tough. that's good to hear. At least, at least, <laughs> at least you're at full strength. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I I don't know. It's uh, you know, one thing. 
the only thing that Colin Coward, when he was dog in Philadelphia, made sense with was uh, the first ten games, nine out of ten, if uh, the leader in the three-point shooting uh, had won the game. And, you know, that's the Rockets yeah. game. You, you know, you saw that they weren't the Rockets of the regular season in game one and still grinded it out. But uh, Yeah, that's what scares me. Like, like they I shoot twenty seven percent. They shoot twenty seven percent from the field and still win. That's scary. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah, that uh the thing is, um Golden State's over there acting like, you know, they never had a problem and they're still the perennial favorite without Steph Curry. So until I see you know, this is gonna make our show fun. Until I see these Houston Rockets really uh you know, play under the bright lights, serious competition. I mean, I don't know. They might blow out your team tonight, and I'm not saying that maliciously to get even with your attack on me tonight. Um, but <laughs> I like, I like, I like, to, I like to watch closely when they go to Minnesota, and I'd like to, you know, in the event that they advance, I'd like to watch the second round intently. I just see if uh, if James Harden plays like the regular season James Harden and Chris Paul plays like uh, he played in the regular season, and then then I might start considering them as the uh, possible NBA champion. But they're they're really not my favorite at this point. Um, so well, well, Ryan I hope Anderson, you guys beat them. Ryan Anderson's not playing tonight, so that could be a factor. He's a big shooter for them, but. Mike D'Antoni has come out and said that uh, he expects the Rockets to eventually be a team that puts up 53s in a game. You know, TR, it just bores me to tears to watch the Rockets play. I know it's effective, and the Warriors are getting that way too. I know it's effective, I know it works, and I know if you got the team to do it, it's the best way to go. But, man, I just it's hard for me to watch a team just go down the court, run off one pick and roll, and throw up a three. Like, there's no – I like to watch the players move without the ball. I like to see some guys post up. I like to see guys space the floor. Iso ball's okay, you know, occasionally. But run a play, run somebody off of two screens, a double screen across the top. And, you know, Houston builds a wall of screens in front of their shooter. I've seen them do it. Yeah, They build a screen in front of Harden, and he shoots. That's what he does. They they put two or three guys to set a screen in front of him, and he shoots behind them. Another thing I've noticed, uh, it was pointed out on Twitter, Houston, when they have the ball, they're the only team I've seen do this. When Houston has the ball going down the court, they have, and they're setting their play up, not when they're just running down the court to get to the other end. They have music playing. They have specific music playing. I'm thinking their offense is set to music. No, seriously. Think about yeah, that. Would that not be brutal? Like, you could set your offense up to a particular type of music, and, like, when you hear this, boom, cut, or this, or that, and you set your offense to music, you're moving without having to look at each other. I mean, you never – That'd be some Belichick-type shit. It really would. And here's the thing. I don't think it's illegal. And here's what's going to happen. Eventually, we're going to find out for sure, and nobody's going to fucking give me credit for figuring it out. (laughs) Nobody's going to figure it out. And then when they do, it'll be like, oh, God, new developing story. Stephen A. Smith breaks it. I'm like, no, motherfuckers. Nate Bush broke it two years ago. Where you been? (laughs) But 
Yeah, we'll never get credit. Nah, who needs it, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just keep hating, about, and keep listening. Yeah, that's right. We got about eight minutes left. Um, a couple developing stories. Um, we want to send our condolences out to um, Greg Popovich. His wife passed away, and we want to send our condolences to him and his family. Uh, very when sad. When did that happen? Uh, while the show was going on. <laughs> I just Gee, found out. I was going to say because there's two other there's two other major losses yeah. in in both the world of basketball and and our our twin sister of what we love pro wrestling that happened recently. But I, uh, Greg Popovich's wife, I didn't even know she was ill. If she was ill, is there any cause of death? Um, let me let me look. I, I saw. I, I was kind of surprised by it. Uh, condolences go out to the family of Bruno San Martino, and to the family of Paul Jones as well. Paul Jones passed away today. In case anybody hadn't heard that, um, I didn't hear that, that either. Yeah, that that happened earlier today. Paul Jones passed away. The old Mid Atlantic Wrestling uh, manager, he passed away, and, and also, it's a shame. Also, uh, you know, keeping on topic of NBA basketball, the greatest scoring wise sixer of all time, yes. Al Greer, West Virginia native, passed away. So, yes. Wow. Yes, what our, a week. It's been bad. Uh, our condolences to the family of Hal Greer, um, West Virginia native, Marshall, uh, born and bred, man. Uh, it's been it's been rough. We hate to hear all these things that's been going on. Uh, died battling an illness. She was 67 years old. Uh, this is reported by Deadspin. Um, they were married for 40 years, and she's been ill for a long period of time. Uh, that is very sad, very sad news. In and I'll um, our condolences again go out to him, his family, and everyone who's been um, affected for a long time uh, with these deaths. All these families. Um, we here at Wide Men send our condolences. You may not even hear them, but we do. We really do. Uh, you're in our thoughts. So, boy, what a both, uh, Nate and I have both been through a, a, a median family loss within the last couple yes. of years. So that's just yes. not lip service. That's uh legitimate to, uh, yes. you know, we lost a lot of, uh, a, a big name people in the two things we, we cover the most. And, uh, to the families, as, as Nate said, I want to echo, uh, sincere condolences. And that, that probably I should have known that maybe, uh, unless he was secretive and I just wasn't paying attention, but, uh, if it was a long illness, uh, Maybe I should have known about Pop's wife, but uh, I didn't know. I was not aware. Uh, so, you know, uh, I was, that sucks. I man. was not either. It does. It, it's it's very sad. Um, but one thing we know is um, Pop's a great coach. Nobody can take that away from him. Um, I've been seeing some uh, news online. We won't have a chance to get into any more series talk tonight. So Spurs Warriors. Um, Trailblazers Pelicans We're going to talk that next week For sure On Wide Men Can't Jump We will definitely dive into those two series um, They may be over by then But we'll still We'll definitely get to those um, I think we got to six other series Did we not TR? Yeah I mean uh, and, and if 
if one of them ends, like if if the Pelicans end up sweeping, for instance, we can always uh, we can always uh, let you know on our various social media pages. We could take an hour and uh, just yeah, talk about yeah, that sure. if, if the series advances. Yeah, worst comes to worst, if a series ends and uh, or if we get time, it's just a matter of timing these days. Um, we will we can jump on to a special half hour, one hour show talking about that series and put it up for you guys to hear. We got time to do that. Um, we only got about four or five minutes left. Oklahoma City is up six now on the Jazz. Is getting ready to head to the fourth. Uh, early in Houston, Minnesota leads 14-6 to six over the Rockets, but that's a long game. And that's eight points is uh, 30 seconds for the Rockets. So don't get too excited. Um, hey, I'd, be happy, out I'd be happy if I were you. I, I am, but I'm not holding my breath. Um, <laughs> send a happy birthday wishes out to my fiance, Autumn. Happy birthday. I love you. She turned 23 today, so happy birthday to her. She probably won't hear this, but I wanted to get it out there anyway. So happy birthday, Autumn. Um, I did not and, know that either. Happy birthday, yes. Autumn. See, and we got to hear the baby. In case anybody was wondering on my personal end, uh, we got to hear the baby's heartbeat on Monday. Uh, heart rate at 150, and the baby is doing fine. We should know the gender soon. So on my end, that's that's what's going on. And I had to learn how to drive a standard over the weekend. <laughs> so that's my life. Yeah. Um, I, I did 30, 30 years ago, and I wasn't too good at it, so God bless you. I'm not that great at it yet, but I'm getting there, so... We'll see. Uh, We do want to thank you guys for listening to Wide Men Can't Jump as we wind down here. Big thank you to Alf and big thank you, not the television character, but Alf from the Miami Heat Beat podcast. Big thanks to Bobby Manning from Celtics Blog for jumping on with us tonight. Uh, I'll try and get somebody from Houston to get on with us next week so TR won't say I'm picking on him. I'm going to pick on myself. Um Listen to Wide Men Can't Jump. We are on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Pod Paradise, Player FM, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you can find a podcast, we're there. Just look for us. And if we're not there, tell us. We'll get on there. Google Play. We're back up on Google Play. I got that straightened out the other day. Um, We should be about anywhere and everywhere you can find pod. Oh, yes, this. Had to make this announcement. We are also now members of the allpronation.com network of podcasts, allpronation.com. You can check us out over there. They've got some great shows over there a lot. If you're an NBA fan, we're their main NBA show. If you're if you're a football fan, we're over they have some great football shows. They have uh one guy who's dedicated to Philly sports who's not TR. So uh, go check them out, allpronation.com. We are over there. And I'm uh, happy to be a part of that family of podcasts. So thanks to Chris and those guys for getting with us and getting us on that, that network. So big thank you to them. Yeah, I, I, I just, for shits and giggles now, I hit um, Google Wide Men Can't Jump, and there's like pages and pages just of everywhere we're at. So. You can't help but listen to us, so you might as well do it live and in living color, if you will. 
if you will, Daddy. Uh, we want to give a shout-out to our sponsors again, Makeup by Kennedy. Give her some love. Buy your makeup off of her. It helps me out. It helps her out, and it'll make your lady look good, so it helps you out. Also, big shout-out to the law offices of Stephen P. New. That's right, law offices of Stephen P. New, helping you bring this show to you. Contact Stephen P. New Law Offices for your free consultation. You can hit them up at newlawoffice.com or at 1-888-692-8084. Also, thanks to wowfreecam.com. Follow us on Twitter. We are at Wide Jump. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram at Wide Men Can't Jump. TR's on Twitter at TR Shock. I'm on Twitter at MMITM Nathan. You can also find me on Facebook. And TR is also on Facebook as well. TR has his own Instagram at Mary Tom Leo. And um, make sure you tune in tomorrow to the Tim and Tom show on this same network. And then we'll be back probably if there's not a playoff update between now and Sunday. A Sunday Night Roundtable episode will be out on Sunday night. So that'll be the three of us shooting the breeze and really just talking about anything and everything. TR, do you got anything else to add before I go watch the Wolves and cry? Nah, go do your thing. Um, you know, good <laughs> luck to you with need that. It. And uh, don't don't be breaking your TV when Harden takes three steps and and they call a foul that's non-existent because that's sure to happen in any Rockets game. All right. I don't break my TV, sir. I'd rather, I'd rather keep my life. But for TR, there you go. I'm Nate. This has been Wide Men Can't Jump. TR, take us home. Peace out.